Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Oh, baby, this just got real. The Nets are in all kinds of trouble. CP3 can smell it. Aaron Rodgers is becoming a sympathetic figure. And don't look now, but there are sharks in the area. Stay out of the water. All that and more. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. It's now a best of three series in the Eastern Conference semis. Timeout called by Steve Nash, and it appears to be the right ankle of Kyrie Irving. They've just held the Brooklyn Nets on consecutive games to 83 and 96 points. The Brooklyn Nets are done. There's no other way to say it. They've gone from unstoppable to stopped in the blink of an eye, and that is the great unknown of sports once again rearing its surprising head. The one thing you can never foresee is injury. And the reality is, you pick a team in the NBA that can lose its second and third best players and still win the NBA championship. Take Scottie Pippen off of the legendary Bulls teams. They weren't winning the title. Take Magic or Kareem off of the legendary Laker teams. They weren't winning the title. Take Larry Bird or Kevin McHale off of the legendary Celtic teams. They weren't winning the title. Take Shaq or Kobe off of those teams. They weren't winning the title. The Brooklyn Nets are not winning this series if Kyrie Irving or James Harden can't play. And right now, I do not believe there is any reason to expect either of them to. Let's make this Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. If you don't believe me, I'll give it to you directly from Malika Andrews, who covers the NBA and particularly the Nets for us and is as close to the situation as you can be. She was on Get Up with me this morning talking about Kyrie. Well, the returns on his early x-ray that he had yesterday, Greeny, were negative, Steve Nash said. But he is slated to undergo further testing and treatment here in New York today. But Nash also said as of last night, his status for Game 5 was very much up in the air. He said, I have, quote, no idea whether or not Irving is going to be available to play. Let me give you an idea. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an athlete. But I've spent my entire life covering professional sports, talking to doctors, and talking to athletes. When you see the outside of a point guard's foot, the outside of a point guard's ankle, hit the court, he's not playing in two days. That's not on the list of things that are going to happen. He exited the arena last night in a walking boot using crutches. He'll be getting round-the-clock treatment. Of that, I have no doubt. Kyrie... There are so many things about him that we have quibbled over over the course of the year. But what I would never question is his desire to be out there right now. I am sure he will and will continue to do absolutely everything he can to play. But the reality is that injury, no one's coming back from. He's not coming back and playing tomorrow night. Maybe, maybe if they somehow find a way to get this thing to a seventh game, we could see him five, six days down the road. That then brings us to James Harden, who has played less than one minute in the series. I asked Malika, where do we stand with him? One thing that we've heard lots over the last several days is Steve Nash and folks within the Nets have said James Harden is, quote, progressing. So before yesterday's game, I asked Nash, what exactly does progressing mean? And he said that every time he checks in with the performance staff, every time he checks in with James Harden, they'll say he's doing well. He's on the court. He's doing some shooting and some exercises there. He's still working through his rehab. But Nash said that he still has a, quote, gap to make up. 
and before he's going to be cleared to play, Harden Nash said is going to have to be able to string together several high-intensity workouts, and he's just not quite there yet. To be clear, he has to string together several high-intensity workouts. Several means more than one, and he hasn't done a single one yet. James Harden's not coming out that door. He's not playing tomorrow night. So the question, straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise, is can Kevin Durant, and could this be more ironic, Kevin Durant, of whom the great criticism has always been that he needs to surround himself with the great players. He chooses to go places rather than any championships he won in Oklahoma City would have counted for 10 that he wins anywhere else. So after making the extraordinary move to go to Golden State and then after making the extraordinary move to come to Brooklyn, now he finds himself in a situation where the season is on the line tomorrow night and he's got to do it by himself. Can he? I suppose I'd say if anybody can, he can. Who would you bet on if not him? I asked Legler on TV this morning, what do we have to see from Durant in order to get this thing to a game six with his team in the lead? And he said... He has to score at least 40 and has to be efficient doing it. And I will tell you right now, the primary reason he wasn't able to do that yesterday and the one thing that will determine if he has any conceivable chance of doing it tomorrow, and that is the officiating. I'm not here to complain. I'm not rooting for the Nets. But the way the games three and four were officiated in Milwaukee were overwhelmingly advantageous to the Bucks. Overwhelmingly. The Nets are a team that shoots 25 free throws a game. How many do they shoot, Hembo, in the two games in Milwaukee combined? I'll give you a second to just glance at that for me. Legler mentioned it on TV this morning. I, I think it's less. I think they shot less than half the number of foul shots they're accustomed to. Why? Because they're playing 90s-style basketball on the perimeter and getting away with it. P.J. Tucker is playing defense that would make Dennis Rodman proud right now, and they're letting him do it in an NBA where that is generally not allowed. Again, I'm not complaining. I'm not sitting here screaming and yelling that the Nets are getting screwed. They can call these games however they choose to call them. But if they're going to call the game that way tomorrow night, Kevin Durant has zero chance of carrying this team by himself to a win. Which would leave them in a situation where either Kyrie or Harden make it back for a game six or they're done. He certainly doesn't go back to Milwaukee and do it by himself. So they have to find a way to win one of these next two games. Overwhelmingly, the better chance to do it if Durant is by himself is at home, clearly and obviously. And the officiating will go a long way towards deciding that. You have those numbers? Only 26. 26 in those two games. 26 free throws in the two games combined. Correct. Combined. How many for Durant? Stand by. They, they average 23 a game, like you said, in the regular they season. They average 23 foul shots a game in the regular season. They shot 26 in the two games in Milwaukee combined. Why? Because P.J. Tucker is being allowed Mm -hmm. to grab Kevin Durant on the perimeter before he gets the ball and then the moment he gets it. He's certainly grabbing him on the block when he gets it. And if you can play defense like that, I don't care how great a player you are, and Durant is the best scorer I've ever seen, it's going to have an impact. And he's accustomed to getting all those calls and getting himself to the line, making those foul shots, which increases the rhythm that he's in. Plus, he's putting your best guys in foul trouble. Plus, he gets going because they're not allowed to grab him like that. None of those things happened in the last two games. And that's why he had no chance yesterday. And again, if it's called like that tomorrow night, he has no chance. How many foul shots did he have? 16. In the two games combined? In the two games combined. So he's averaging eight foul shots a game. 
He will need to have double that mm. tomorrow night for them to have a chance to win. Well, let's put the number at 15. He will have to shoot 15 foul shots. For the Nets to win tomorrow night without Kyrie, which I think it's overwhelmingly likely they're going to be, and without Harden, which I also think they're going to be, if the Nets are going to have any chance to win that game, he's going to need 15 foul shots at least. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. We're going to get uh, Brian Windhorst in in just a couple of minutes here with his perspective on all the stuff with the Nets and the Bucks and the rest of your NBA playoff picture. But let me bring in the hashtag crew. The members of the hashtag crew are assembled today. And let's find out what everybody thought was the most interesting thing of what was a very interesting weekend. I will confess, by my standards, I was a little checked out of the sports over the weekend. Not to say I didn't watch stuff. I did, and I didn't follow stuff. Of course I did. But I also was a little distracted with post-graduation stuff and just generally being exhausted. So (laughs) let me hear what everybody thought was fascinating. Let's start with hashtag Nuno, the producer of this program. What was the most interesting thing you saw this weekend? Nuno. I mean, the first answer would be soccer. But I would actually say Saturday night, Paul George and the way he played. If he plays that way the rest of the, the playoffs, the Clippers will win the title. Okay. Mm. I like that. I, I, if he plays like that, they will win the title, says Nuno. I like it. And we will get a little soccer in, maybe not today, but at some point, And we'll let Nuno lead that conversation. Hashtag Bubba is next up. Uh, Bubba, who worked for many years before this in the programming departments of multiple very successful sports networks. So you fully understand what people's interests are. What did you find the most interesting thing this weekend? Uh, Yeah, very clearly. The only answer is Jacob deGrom. Once again, six innings, one hit, 10 Ks, no walks, drove in two runs, now has five RBIs, only allowed four earned runs on the season. His ERA is 0.56. That's the lowest in 10 starts since 1966 when Juan Marichal had a 0.59. How about Bubba getting it done? (laughs) That is well done with the Metropolitans. All right, Devin, you're next. What's the most interesting thing you saw this weekend? How about the handler at the Westminster Dog Show nearly falling on his (laughs) Boston Terrier during the agility competition? (laughs) I did see that. And normally I would ban you from the program for a week for bringing that up. But I must say, for those who don't know what he's talking about, it's the Westminster Kennel Dog, whatever they call that thing. And it's, it's the dog show. It's the big dog show, and people love it, and I don't dislike it. I don't have a strong feeling on it one way or another. But, you know, the handlers lead these dogs around through these paths, and they have a little, what was a Boston Terrier? It's a little dog. Yeah, Ripple. Uh, Was it? His name was Ripple. Ripple? Okay, so so Ripple is running through like a little tube. Tunnel, yeah. Like a little tunnel. (laughs) And the handler falls, like right in front, almost squashes him, the the poor little dog, who manages to, you know, sort of juke the handler (laughs) and get out of harm's way. But the dog loses the dog show because the handler (laughs) falls down in front of him. I will say, that was actually, Devin, it was funny. I don't like to laugh at the unfortunate nature of it, but I have to confess it was funny. Hembo, how about you? I thought Novak Djokovic winning the French was the most interesting thing that happened this weekend. For my money, when it's all said and done with these three, you know, these big three in tennis right now, he's going to be the one that goes down as the GOAT. Well, he's the youngest. I, I will talk a little more about that a little bit later, but I want to get Wendy in here. So let me break quickly there. We are really packed. Uh, I got to get Brian Winhorst in here. We got the most ludicrous comment of the entire sports year on the way. Those and much more just getting started on a Monday Greeny on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. 
big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. My buddy, Wendy, Brian Winhorst, in 30 seconds on the Goodyear hotline going through all the NBA postseason conversation. And then we will get to the most ludicrous comments of the sports year. You've heard them. You can't believe them. I can explain them in a way that is very meaningful. Those are both on the way in just a couple of minutes here. But right now, time for some straight talk. You know, saving money feels good. But cutting your wireless bill in half, that feels really good. Like walk-off home run in the ninth good. With Straight Talk, you can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month. That's up to 50% less than the other guys, plus no contract. All in America's best networks. Why pay a whole lot when you can pay half? Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. And if we're talking playoff basketball, the man to do it has a podcast called The Hoop Collective. He's the one and only Brian Winhorst. Hello again, Wendy. Hey, Greeny. Well, I'm so help me here. Um, you know, I'm I'm watching Kyrie Irving's ankle turning the way no ankle should ever turn, and I'm watching James Harden, and I'm hearing Malika telling me that he hasn't even begun doing anything that would be constant that could be constituted as like basketball activity as he's working his way back. And I'm trying to figure out a way the Nets get out of this series with Milwaukee. Is there a way? Well, the only thing I can say is that when they didn't have two of their three guys this year, which actually happened 15 games, which sort of is an indication of how their season has gone. They actually played like the, they still had a top 10 offense and they still played equivalent to the Portland trailblazers. Their, Mm -hmm. their net rating was equivalent to, you know, a back end playoff team. And so are they done in this series? No, because maybe they can squeeze out game five. I expect Steve Nash to apply some pressure to the officials because uh, P.J. Tucker is getting away with a lot of physicality on Kevin Durant. Maybe they squeeze out the home game, and then maybe Harden can come back for six or seven, and they, and they get out of it. But they're not getting through the conference finals, and they're not getting through the finals if two of their three guys are out. And so it's just triage right now. And, Greeny, as Kyrie was limping off, I was thinking, so many of these guys associated with the Nets know this feeling. You know, Steve Nash probably would have won a finals had Joe Johnson not fallen on his face and broken his face in 2005. Kyrie Irving broke his kneecap 
one year, and the following year came back and hit the game-winning shot. Kevin Durant won back-to-back finals MVPs when he was going for the three-peat. He tore his Achilles. Some years you have the health on your side and you win, and some years you don't, and it's a bitter pill, but that is what the Nets are staring in the face. That's exactly right. I mean, the, the the best team in every sport is always the one that manages to stay healthy at least enough for what they need. I'm also thinking about something that you said, Wendy, on this show maybe three months ago when you talked about the compression of the second half of the NBA schedule and the impact that might have and the concerns you heard from people about the impact it might have on the playoffs – I'd love you to share that thought for anyone who didn't hear it and what, if any, impact you think it's having now. Well, I think different injuries are different. So Kyrie Irving steps on Giannis's foot. That is a freak injury. If he, was, if he had had five years off, that injury could have happened. Right. LeBron gets rolled up on from behind. Terrible bad luck. That's basketball. But Giannis, or, um, uh, Anthony Davis has repetitive injury on his Achilles has to be shut down. His left knee is sore. He plays through it. He pulls his left groin. Jamal Murray is playing on a sore left knee after uh, playing through the bubble and having a short turnaround, comes back, blows um, blows his ACL. Some of those injuries look like they're the result of a short turnaround, certainly an increase. Now, the teams in the, who reached the final four last year, uh, you know, Denver, Boston, Miami, and the Lakers, you know, all now out. I've talked to some of their coaches. I talked to Michael Malone, the coach of the Nuggets. He said he and Brad Stevens talked the whole season, Greeny, about how they felt that they had uh, such a, a tax that they had to pay for advancing deep in the bubble. We at ESPN looked at the data to see if their injuries were more than other teams, and we didn't find it. I can't point to it and say that they had more lost games than a team like Phoenix who was out way before. But when you talk to the actual people and the players, they say they feel the fatigue and they say it matters. And so I will trust what they say. Greeny and the, and the Hoop Collective podcast's Brian Windhorst, who's with me on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. That's fair. Then let's talk about the officiating. You just touched on it. I talked talked about it off the top of the show today, and I have the numbers in the four games of this series, the Nets have attempted 42 foul shots. That's 10.5 per game. In the five games they played against Boston in the previous series, they took 137 foul shots. That's 27.5 per game. To what, Wendy, do we attribute that? Well, there's nuance in those numbers. Number one, in game two, the Bucks' defensive effort was an abomination. They weren't even playing physical defense. The yeah. Nets went... 30 game minutes without free throws, 30. And uh, I think a technical foul was the first free throw that broke that streak. It wasn't even a shooting foul. So part of it was the way the Bucks are playing. The Bucks are a low foul team. All the Spurs disciples of which, of which Mike Budenholzer is one are low foul teams. That said, the game yesterday, P.J. Tucker was allowed to get away with incredible amounts of physicality on Kevin Durant. There was actually big-time physical play allowed throughout that entire game, but it really showed up with Tucker on Durant, but you know, Yasutenakumpo got a whole bunch of charges called against him as well. So I think because of where the Nets are, they've lost two of their three best players. And let's just be honest, they now need the whistle more than they did a week ago when they were up 2-0. So I expect the Nets and especially their crowd to put immense pressure on the officials tomorrow. They need Durant to get to the line. They need Tucker and Giannis in foul trouble. 
This is what happens in the playoffs. It is an ebb and flow. I do think that yesterday that uh, Durant probably got fouled at least five or six times that I thought uh, that I saw that I thought he got fouled that didn't get called. They have a fair gripe, but it's not what determined the outcome of the game. I'm with you. Uh, I, I agree with everything that you said. And whether it determines the outcome of the game or not, yes, I, you can't sit here after a game where you lose by that many points and say the officials are the difference, but the entire tenor of the game is set by the way they're calling it, and we'll see. Let's see what happens tomorrow night. Let me get one more thing with you, Wendy, while I have you. Um, Chris Paul has his team in the conference final. Depending on how this thing breaks, if Utah and the Clippers go seven games, they may get nine days off. The West final would then start a week from tomorrow this feels like a real opportunity for Chris Paul at the age of 36 to make it to his first NBA Finals. In your view, what does this mean for this player at this stage in his career? Well, he's had so much misfortune throughout his career, whether it's just injuries. You know, he's gone out of multiple playoff series with injuries. Uh, obviously, a couple of years ago, you know, the, the Rockets were up 3-2 going home. Um, and he pulls his hamstring, and they're done. They might have won the title that year. He broke his hand a couple of times. He's also had the misfortune of playing in the same conference with the Golden State Warriors and uh, with LeBron James now recently. You know, in other eras, teams he's been on probably would have won a championship, but he's unfortunately had to play against these juggernauts. And so now, and I mean, look, we're only halfway through. They've won eight. They need 16 wins. But they're healthy. He got a, a near miss on an injury, and, and it didn't get hurt this time, wasn't knocked out, was able to play through it, survived it. He gets a break when Anthony Davis gets hurt. Now the, the prohibitive favorite, uh, Nets. I mean, I don't, we'll see what the MRI says, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie was facing being out multiple weeks with this injury. Um, you know, things are breaking in his way after 16 years. And, you know, he's a guy who isn't always loved by his fellow players. Um, I remember when the, in his last game as a rocket, when the Warriors eliminated them uh, in Houston a couple of years ago, the Warriors players going into the locker room chanting F Chris Paul mm. because they disliked him so much. But no matter how you feel about the way he operates and the way he plays, you can't, un- you can't uh, dispute that he has been through an immense amount given up on by multiple teams. He's just been passed around, told that he's got the worst contract in the league, you know, dealing with all these injuries, and yet here he is, age 36, playing some of the best basketball of his career, getting things going in his direction for a franchise that hadn't sniffed the playoffs for a decade. Their fans are in absolute euphoria right now. Um, this is what we live for the NBA playoffs for. It's unpredictability and it's storylines. That's what's playing out in Chris Paul's favor. Maybe it's karma. We'll have to see if it continues. Look, the Suns have won seven straight games, and in those games, and this is so, it's so Chris Paul of him, he has 68 assists and eight turnovers. I mean, the numbers have it's been... one of the most amazing stats. It's ludicrous, right? One of the most amazing right? stats I've ever seen. It's, 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 it's ludicrous. But that's, he's been doing that his whole career. And, and here he is with a chance now to maybe take it all the way to the finals. But the Clippers or the Jazz will have something to say about that. And you always have something to say, Wendy. And we always enjoy it. Thanks a million, my friend. I'll see you soon. Have a great week, Greeny. All right, that's Brian Windhorst again. His podcast called The Hoop Collective. You know that hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack, right? But when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and invites them to apply. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. I'm sorry, what? 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 I'm sorry, what? what? I'm sorry, what? 
I'm sorry, what? All right, and now, as promised, we get to the most ludicrous comments of the sports year. So Mark Murphy is the president of the Green Bay Packers. On January 25th, after his team was eliminated in the NFC Championship game, he said there was no way Rodgers wouldn't be back. On March 30th, he had no comment on restructuring Rodgers' contract or not restructuring it when that would have helped his team uh, from a salary cap standpoint. On June 5th, he said that Rodgers is dividing the fan base or that the issue is dividing the fan base, and it's probably best if nothing else is said publicly about it. And then a week later, he said publicly, quote, I'm often reminded of Ted Thompson, a great general manager, who talked about Aaron, and it wasn't just Aaron, a lot of different players, and he would say, he's a complicated fella. So I'll just say that. Okay, it's inexplicable, right? You think to yourself, how in the world could he say that? I, I go to the legendary Greeny uh, show Google Doc, in which Nuno prefaced the story by writing, <laughs> someone should just tell Mark Murphy to keep his mouth shut when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and give it time before making a bleep out of himself. <laughs> so that's what Nuno thinks. And I heard what Lewis Riddick thinks, and I heard what Marcus Spears thinks, both of them tom- this morning with me on Get Up. I can explain this. I can explain this because it's one of two things. And I think it is less likely that it's the first of them. The first of them would be that Mark Murphy is just that tone deaf that he genuinely has the worst bedside manner in history, right? Like, you cannot argue that him saying that is acceptable because it's true. Well, it's true that Aaron Rodgers is a complicated fellow. Well, there are any number of things that are true that you should not just say. A doctor should just not walk in and say, hello, Mr. Hamball, you'll be dead in 10 minutes, best of luck, and then just walk out. It may be true, <laughs> but that's not what the doctor should say. This requires some finesse. And it reminds me of a line that was once spoken by someone very near and dear to my heart, which was me, and I will apply it to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is basically looking at the Packers and saying, guess what, guys? It's not my job to be easy to deal with. The great ones are not. They're not easy to deal with. You think Peyton Manning was always easy to deal with? You think all these guys, you name, name a great player. You think LeBron James is easy to deal with? Have you read the stories? It takes a little something to the trade-off of dealing with what you have to deal with for those guys is that you get those guys. Aaron Rodgers might be the most talented person in the history of his position. So if he's a little complicated, that seems like a small price to pay. So that's the first explanation, that Mark Murphy is just so lost that he doesn't recognize that saying that is just living proof of everything Rodgers is trying to say. But I refuse to believe that a person can rise to the position that Mark Murphy has in life and be that thoroughly tone deaf. That just seems impossible to me. So I started looking for another explanation. And I think it is quite simply this. Mark Murphy knows it's over. Marcus has been saying it for a year. I've been saying it for two months. Shefty said it on TV two months ago. Aaron is not coming back. And I think Mark Murphy knows that. And we are now in the stage where they are just fighting for public opinion. And Aaron Rodgers has the overwhelming advantage in that because fans are always going to side with the player they love, not the team president. No one's going to side with Mark Murphy. 
So he's trying to give you reasons to. You know, Aaron, he's a complicated fella. You know, Aaron, this is a divisive issue. It's dividing our fan base. Now, here's the reality. Aaron Rodgers, like all great ones, are complicated fellas. Did you watch the last dance? You think Michael Jordan was a complicated fella? Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time. With that comes some complication. Aaron Rodgers is undoubtedly a complicated fella. And to say so is the most ludicrous thing I can ever imagine doing if you were a person in Mark Murphy's position, unless you've already given up on the idea that he's playing for you and you were just doing this to try and sway the court of public opinion. So that's what I think. Hembo, do I have it right? I think you do, although I would not be stunned if he was actually that tone deaf. I'm always amazed and surprised when people in uh, positions of power like him say things like he did. And sometimes the easiest explanation for that is just that simple. Maybe he just doesn't know any better. But how do you not know that? What person walking the face of planet, much less someone who has received endless hours of media training, right? You don't get that job without having been through one media training session after another. These guys are taught how to answer questions. And for him to say, first of all, here's the other reason. Mm. You were the one who pointed out to me that in, in Mark Murphy's monthly column, why he has a monthly column is a whole different discussion, but he responded to a question that wasn't a question about this <laughs> by talking about how divisive the issue has become for the fan base. He's looking for opportunities to say this stuff. Why? Because we've now entered the petty phase. We're in the petty phase. This is the phase where you go from trying to reconcile to being petty. You're getting your last digs in. Look, I've, 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 it, we've all been in the breakup of relationships, right, and, and of, of any different kind. You go through the petty phase. You go through the trying to work it out phase. That's the phase they're in. <laughs> they're in the phase. Mark Murphy is in the phase where he's trying to get his last digs in, and he's trying to win public opinion on his side. And that, I think, is... I don't think it's going to work. Does anyone think it's going to work? Do you think that he wins over people in this? Do you think pa- there, what percentage of Packers fans, in your view, are going to side with management over Aaron Rodgers? Right now it's very small, but by the time we get to training camp and he's still not showing up, m- many more fans than you think. I'd say one in three fans. Nuno, what do you think? What percentage of Packer fans are, are going to turn on Rodgers? Well, I think the more Mark Murphy keeps talking, the less fans will if he just be quiet is quiet I think as a fan your natural reaction is gonna be like all right Aaron enough you're messing us up we could we are a Super Bowl contender but you want to sit out here and you want to leave us you know what you know screw you like that type of thing (laughs) way to clean that up Bubba (laughs) help me Bubba is as as long been uh one who has studied all of this uh he has a variety of in fact I believe advanced degrees potentially even a PhD Mm -hmm. in audience research so you would be the perfect person to answer this what percentage of Packer fans are going to turn on Rodgers yeah I think I agree with Nuno that I think because of the way Mark Murphy is doing I I don't think many will I think they may have originally but the way it's going right now I think they're all going to be team Aaron and they're just going to be turning on Mark Murphy and the Packers Devin give me a final word 
I don't think so. I think they're going to start turning on Aaron Rodgers. There's going to be love long-term, but in the immediate future, I think it's going to be some love loss here. All right, we'll find out. We'll see where this thing turns. You know someone will say something inflammatory before the week <laughs> is out. As we continue, Jalen had some things to say last week we need to dive into and the most disturbing story I saw this morning. Those are on the way after this word from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies, solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop on by. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greeny, the podcast. My name is Greeny. You're listening to ESPN Radio, which is where you can hear the NBA playoffs. Tonight, game four, Hawks Sixers, presented by Indeed. Coverage 7 Eastern on most of these ESPN Radio stations. Meanwhile, the list is what determines who matters in this business. Green list. Uh, so normally the green list is uh, my top five this, that, or the other, chosen exclusively by me because I remain the world's foremost authority on all matters. But today I'm seeding the green list to my good buddy Jalen Rose. I was in here yesterday afternoon and I, I ran in. I haven't seen Jalen in person in forever. So so nice to see Jay. They're getting set to go on the road. Our basketball crew is going to travel with the Western Conference Finals. So he and I got to chatting. But anyway, he created a bit of a stir over the weekend, as you would imagine, when he listed his top five players under the age of 25 in the NBA, which has been a big topic with the emergence in this postseason of so many of these young star players. And so in case you didn't see it, here was Jalen's list. Number five. He put Trey Young at five. And Trey Young, of course, basically single-handedly beat the New York Knicks. Number four. Four is Devin Booker, who has been spectacular. And as much attention and credit as we're giving to Chris Paul for what Phoenix is doing, Devin Booker is the best player on that team. He's ridiculous. Number three. Number three, he put Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Stephen A. was waxing rhapsodic about him on TV with me on Friday. Mitchell, uh, tr- tremendous, obviously, and 24 years old. He has him at three. Number two. He has Jason Tatum. At number two, that's a player we often hear has MVP caliber talent. Number one. And number one is Luka. So he's got Trey Young at five, Devin Booker, Booker four, Donovan Mitchell three, Jason Tatum two, and Luka Doncic 
one. That is Jalen's top five. And I ask you, and I, I, I was not watching, I must confess, because I had so much family stuff, when this conversation took place on the air. But doesn't Zion Williamson belong on that list? I mean, Zion Williamson, who is 20, I think he's not even 21 yet, right? He's, he's 20. 20. Yeah. He's 20 years old. And he has a skill set. Now, look, I love Luca. You've heard me wax rhapsodic about Luca. I love all these guys. No, you can't go wrong with any of them. But to me, I find it very difficult to put together this list without putting Zion on it. So um, let me go to, first of all, my vice president of basketball insight, Nuno. Does Zion Williamson belong on this list of the top five players under the age of 25? Yes, he replaces Trey Young for me. So he'd be meaning he'd be five, or that's just the player who'd get bumped. That's the f- player that gets bumped. Where it's, does he go on the list? It's between him and Devin Booker in terms of that four-five. But he has. So to you be would take so to be clear. If I right now let you start a team with Luka Doncic or Zion, which way do you go? Luka, Jason Tatum or Don, or, or Zion. Just basketball wise, it's probably going to be Tatum. But well, are you including football? I mean, what, no, what? but if you include everything, inter- <laughs> I know. If, if I'm the Knicks, I take Zion over Tatum just to that star appeal that he has. I understand. I, I, I was just being snide because it just struck me as funny. I knew what you meant. Uh, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell or Zion? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I would take Mitchell. That's just because you think he's going to be a Nick. You're, you're just kissing up to him now. You, you, you're just trying to soften up <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. Look. Here's, there's no wrong. Well, yeah, there is wrong. I think there's wrong. I think leaving Zion off the list is wrong. My biggest concern about Zion has been his ability to stay healthy, and the way they nursed him through his first year mm-hmm. was was what it was. And But now, when you see him sort of in full bloom, I mean, Zion could become something. Now, we talk about the way Shaq was sort of a – a player who was so dominant because he could just do stuff no one else could do. Steph Curry is a player whose skill set is so unique that everyone's trying to figure out how to get him. I'm not expressing this well, I, but, but I'm so hurt. He's a unicorn. I'm trying to lead up to saying that. Zion has the potential to be a unicorn if he stays healthy. Because I keep having these guys, you talk to these draft experts and these, the guys who develop these players, talk to a guy like Bobby Marks. Like, Zion projects to be a five. Mm. Like, Zion is going to be a six-foot-seven center <laughs> who weighs whatever it is he weighs and, and can do literally everything on the floor. The question is just, does he stay healthy long enough to justify the pick? But if I promised you, let me rephrase the question. Nuno, if I promised you right now that you were going to get eight healthy seasons out of Zion where he plays 70 games a year and is healthy playoff team, healthy at playoff time. Would he be number one on this list? Um, it'll be close, but I think I still would take Luca. But my point is it would be close. Correct. It would be close at number one, which means the only justification for not having him in your top five is injury concern. Is that right? I think so. I mean, all these other guys are perimeter players, scorers, but at the age of 20, like you said, he's ever tw- averaged 27 points on 61% shooting. It was an, it was an astonishing, he was an all-NBA season at 20. That's not hyperbole. And what Zion has going for him that the others do is if you just take a list of all the teams that have won a championship recently, 
most of them, if not almost all of them, have been led primarily uh, from a scoring standpoint by a wing player. That's what he is. You're not going to win a championship with your point, point guard or, or, or probably even a two being your number one scorer. That's just not how the NBA is built anymore. Zion could do that. He could average 30 points a game next year and shoot 60% from the floor. You can win a championship with that guy being your number one. He's so different from the other wing players you're talking about. I mean, you're talking about just, uh, just to say for the sake of argument, the guy you're thinking of is Kevin Durant. LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, et cetera, yeah. yeah LeBron is a little closer because at least he's physically dominant. Right. But you look at a guy like Kevin Durant and the way he's built, and you look at a guy like uh, <laughs> like like Zion and the way he's built, and it's impossible to believe they do that, they, that their job description is the same thing. But it is. That's the point. Mm. So I, if you promised me eight healthy years of Zion, I'd be tempted to take him number one. All right, this conversation continues as we go along here. We'll get Heather in with some stuff, and then I got to get into the Sharks. They're a problem. Next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 